everybody, and welcome back to my podcast, Christian in Progress. My name is Samuel Perez, and just a little bit about myself, I am a former gay stripper. Yep, that's right, (laughs) you heard that correctly. I left behind the homosexual lifestyle to walk with Christ. This podcast is all about how I do it, why I do it, and to help others like me and educate those that aren't like me. I want to talk, but I really want to talk and be real about a life with Jesus and what that looks like in 2020. Nothing is off limits, and I want to be as transparent as I possibly can be. Before we get started, I want to let everyone know that this podcast is completely free to listen, and we do accept donations, and we have such like awesome rewards and gifts for those who want to become patrons of the podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Podbean, click on the description and you'll find the link to become a patron of the podcast which means you'll be making a regular monthly commitment. And we also have my link tree where you can find resources to give through PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App. Um, And you can also visit like the patreon.podbean.com. Anyways, on today's episode, we have Ruth Martinez. How are you doing, Ruth? I'm doing wonderful. (laughs) That's so awesome. Yeah, there's there's like a two second delay, by the way, guys, on the podcast. So if you guys hear any pauses or anything like that, it's the zoom but anyways we're trying something new today so i'm recording for some people who like to watch and then i also am going to be uploading just the audio obviously on you know spotify and apple apple podcast so if you want to watch this this is going to be up on my youtube and hopefully this all works the way that it should (laughs) anyways so ruth is my friend i'm going to tell you guys how i met ruth um we were both at the what is it jesus 19 conference yep yeah and um, I was getting something to eat and it was like in between sessions. And I love I love the um, Jesus Image Conference. They're great. They're like wonderful every single year. And I get to drive up there. It's only like a three hour drive. So I'm like eating and I'm just by myself. Like, well, I'm going to order food. And then I see her and I, she's with a friend. And I forgot, like, how did we even like, what did you come up to me or did I come up to you? Like, how? what happened? We were actually in line. to. I was in line to get coffee. You were getting food. Um, and then I ran into Chris, um, who was dan- who's obviously a dancer that's like known in many, many oh, places. Yeah. And you were with him. And so he introduced me. And I and I just happened to uh, be talking about you asked me something. You said, is there anything new going on in your life? And I said, yes, I'm actually I'm wanting to play an instrument. Do you have any suggestions? <laughs> and you just started you just opened up a whole story about your testimony, about how you got into, you know, playing an, an instrument for the Lord. And it inspired me that it actually like encouraged me to purchase one later on and so forth. So that's how we met in line. Hey, yeah, I, my memory is so bad. Like when you when you told me that, I'm like, okay, now I remember. But like, oh my gosh, I swear, I I think I ate like <laughs> way too much like tuna when I was little. Because you know they say that like mercury like is bad for your memory or something. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't remember like I, some some things I just don't remember, and I wish I did. Like my memory just. Whew. But anyways, yes, I remember that conversation, and, that and that's good. so cool. So she's. She's learning how to play piano, but that's not why I brought her on the podcast. So today, um, I actually just want to share a little bit about her story. We're going to talk about um, her, a little bit of her testimony, what she's doing in ministry currently. And I think it's really something that you guys are going to enjoy and you guys are going to enjoy listening to because it has to do basically with relationships and sexuality and all those different types of things. So I know that's something that you guys love to hear about. So let's get right into it. So Ruth, tell me, like, tell me a little bit about where you're from where you grew up and all that stuff. 
Well, I'm 26. Um, I, I have the soul of a child and the brain of an elder, just, just to clarify. So I'm very old school. I was raised in Florida with my grandma and my great-grandma, and I've been here my entire life. Really. That's, I've been <laughs> here for a long, long time in a really, really small town um, called the Treasure Coast. And honestly, it's five minutes from the beach, so I absolutely love it. The weather never changes here. Okay. Yeah, that's beautiful. So you said you, you were with your great-grandma and your grandma. Were your parents around? Yes, my parents were always around. It's just I spent a lot of time with them, with my with my grandparents, while my parents worked. You know, you, you grew up in a Hispanic family, and we're a family yes. of six, so grandkids are always with grandma all the time, no matter what for everything, even holidays, dinners, and it's just, it's wonderful. I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, that's awesome, yeah. Okay, cool, so then tell me a little bit about like, how you first even became aware of Jesus, or like, when you decided to make um, a decision for Christ, you know, like give, give up your life, like, were you, did, were you born like being raised into that, or how did that I work? I was definitely uh, born and raised in the church. Um, as young as I can remember going to church, I was five. Um, and, but it was very distorted, a, a very distorted view of religion because, um, I grew up in a very abusive, um, family. There was a lot of, uh, physical abuse, verbal abuse, emotional abuse as, as we go into details and we would go to church, you know, three times a week. I mean, fa people looked at us, you know, and they're like, wow, you guys are a great family. I'm the only girl of, of other, of four others. I have three brothers. And so... I was raised oh, wow. in a really tough environment. Um, I mean, like climbing bunk beds, um, jumping off roofs, just growing up with boys my entire life. Um, and it, I loved it, but it was I was really confused about my identity because of the abuse that was happening within, within my own house. Um, and so I think about at the age of 12, I, I started to really plan um, how to commit suicide because of the depression that I was experiencing and the anxiety and the fear and... Um, growing up in a very religious home, um, your parents are, could be very strict, right? So, um, yeah, I was especially Latino homes. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of discipline. And so I was only allowed to be at my grandma's or my aunt's. And so um, at a really young age, molested, start, I was molested at the age of six. Um, and so that really just really spiraled me into this really dark hole. And so by the time I was age 12, um, I was at my last rope. I remember my father was beating my mother. My mother was pregnant. She was having a miscarriage in the middle of the argument and fight. Um, there was blood everywhere. And I remember going wow. to my room and just kind of like trying to figure out how to escape the pain, you know, how to escape the fears yeah. of somebody's going to die. It's either going to be them or me. And so I think it was that was like a big moment in my life where uh, that's how I came to know Christ Jesus for the first time. I remember crying out for hours like make the noise stop make the trauma stop if you're the god that you say you are make yourself known yeah. to me so i remember um taking my mom's depression pills because she was pregnant so she wasn't taking them so i went and took them um i i grabbed like a, a knife from wherever i could find one because there was there was knives being thrown in the kitchen everywhere so i grabbed what i could find and i wow. ran to the room um so long story short, um, I remember passing out from so much anxiety and fear, and I went into this deep sleep. Um, the Lord spoke to me. I heard the voice of Jesus uh, for the first time, and he said, choose whom you will serve. And he showed me the ends of the earth, and he also showed me 
um, a piece of heaven and what it looks like to run with Jesus. I mean, he was like holding my hand. And when I woke up, I had an angelic encounter with, um, I don't know if it was the Lord or if it was an angel, but there was somebody dressed in white in my room. I remember looking to my curtains and my curtains were completely pitch green, like Christmas green. So as yeah. I turned to the wall, I was like, what is this illuminating light in my face? But it was the first time that I had experienced peace in the 12 years of existing on earth, you know, from going through mm-hmm. abuse from ages five up into that point in life. So that's how I really got to know Jesus. I remember choosing to follow Jesus that day. And so how old were you at that moment? I was 12. I was 12. 12. Yes. Okay. I wow. started I started becoming suicidal at the age of seven because from five to seven, there was a lot of uh, molestation going on that nobody knew about, mm-hmm. especially because my uncle was addicted to pornography. And so I would get off the bus and then I would go to sleep there. I would take a nap with my aunts and he would play with me and I wouldn't know. I would just be knocked out. And then I would have the dreams, wow. the occurring dreams that somebody was touching me and, and I just didn't understand what it was. I was so little. So that's yeah. really like all those things in combinations of, the the sexual abuse, the mental abuse, the the verbal abuse, it was just all created in me this depression that I just didn't want to live anymore, but Jesus met me there, so I'm really grateful for that. Wow. I mean, that is crazy having ha- having to experience all of that like at at the ripe age of just 12. Like, what? That's that almost is like very similar. It reminds me to this other testimony um that I heard on YouTube which was by Carol Kornacki. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. Have you? I'm going to check it out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Crazy. Yes. Very similar, but I think even worse because her mom and her dad are maybe actually maybe the same. Um, her dad used to beat her and then make her want to drink poison because oh boy. he didn't like That's the horrible. children and like it was really bad in the molestation as well. Like all of her brothers, like they were molested. She was molested by the, by the own father, which was terrible. Wow, but that's crazy having to go through. Yeah. Having to go through all of that as a child, like, like even coping with that at 12 years old, like how, how would you have coped without Jesus through that time? Like, I don't think when, I was, when, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I like, believe what, that God's with us at all times, but there was a season in during that childhood time that I did not believe in God. I went to church. We heard the Bible. I think the church was like my safe place because I actually understood some form of love by my teachers and those that were teaching me about this loving God that you hear about, but I didn't experience that through my fatherhood or motherhood because they had been abused as children. So their way of mm. um, raising us was by intense discipline. I mean, I was I was beat with um, iron cords. I would be thrown in the closet. I would pee myself and I would be in there wow. for, for hours, if not like a day or two. And it was a result of the abuse that my mother was going through and the trauma that she was experiencing. She would take it out on us because she didn't know how to cope herself. Um, so yeah. yeah, you don't really, you, you cope. My way of coping was really having community those three days a week, knowing that this is my gap to get out of the house and like know what family looks like, even though the church didn't really offer that on stage or, within you know the corporate union but just being one-on-one with teachers is such a big deal Mm -hmm. it plays such a big those sunday schools let me tell you they come in clutch (laughs) (laughs) i i can definitely relate to that a a lot like i i don't know what it is like but when i was a child there was this little church in the middle of hialeah (laughs) that i used to go to 
um, and it was Spanish, and I didn't understand anything because I mean I I speak Spanish, but those are big theological words, and they're on the stage yeah. and the pastor and all that, and I was very young. But when I would go to the church, um, I would sit down and I would just feel this overwhelming peace. And it was something that I couldn't run away from. Like I, I was like, whenever, like there was a lot going on in my life too, just figuring myself out, my, my sexuality and everything. Um, not as much as you, like definitely, like that's tough. But like when I, when I would go into church, like I would sit down and I would just feel this peace, you know, this peace that I couldn't run away from. It was like a safe haven. And I would always be so excited just to get to church. I didn't understand anything that they were teaching, right. but yeah. just being in that atmosphere was just, it was so safe. There was something like in the air, like there was a presence there. It was God. You know? Yeah, for sure. Especially when you are surrounded by people who do practice what they preach and you see the difference. I would ask myself, like, this, these are not how my parents are. Like, there's something obviously weird i was very confused which actually like it spiraled so bad that from like 12 to 14 or 15 i became like a huge tomboy i didn't want to dress like a girl i didn't want to um act like a girl i wanted to be as tough as i could to prove to men that they couldn't hurt me you know because of the the pain that i was experiencing through my my father and so i i never struggled with homosexuality but i wanted to be everything but a female and i wanted to make sure that people knew not to mess with me so i ended up joining a gang at the age of 13 um, as i was in (laughs) middle school and a gang in the middle of florida (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it just it was not it it was not it was not a a, an easy uh season of my life i became very i became a bully um i would be very verbally abusive towards females you know i didn't i barely had friends all my friends were guys which is kind of contradicting you would think right um but i just wouldn't date i wouldn't date and i wasn't promiscuous in that season because i was so disgusted with myself i didn't want Mm -hmm. i didn't want anybody to touch me i didn't want anybody to look at me so i would wear like pants double the size of my of my body and just I was just disgusted with myself and I think that that happens a lot to people who go through identity crisis um they don't want to be seen you know um or they'll Mm -hmm. try to be seen more because of what's occurred to them and so for me it was kind of like if I could live under a cave for the rest of my life I will so yeah so you were attending a, you were attending a church already. Yes. And after after the age of 12 you started attending a church, you started attending a community, but you were still dealing with all these different problems like dealing with identity issues and all these things like were you aware of everything that was going on, everything you were going through like were you were you studying the Bible? Did you have people around you who were trying to mold you and help you who understood this trauma that you were facing or did you kind of just have to face it alone? Honestly, I was facing a lot of things alone, um, and I found that to be really huge in the church that I was being raised in. Everybody kind of went and then left, you know. And that's why I say that those Sunday, mm-hmm. those Sunday schools in the morning before service started were such a big deal for me. They were so crucial. And I think that that's what really sparked or maintained some level of faith, even though I was denying the existence of God for a period. Um, I couldn't deny love, you know, and attention, which is what young people desire. A child loves to trust. Like a child's natural instinct is to trust, like to cling to her mother's breast, to eat, to need, to be needy. And 
um, I was really needing like fatherhood and motherhood. And so that's the only thing that I knew as far as church was what nurture was supposed to be like. But as far as discipleship, knew nothing about it, knew nothing about what it yeah. was to, hey, let me sit with you and let's break scripture down. I didn't really know that up until I turned 15 and had a severe encounter with Jesus while nearly during a death experience um, in high mm-hmm. school and kind of and being in a really unhealthy, abusive relationship because of how I was raised, um, which is where yeah. which is where, you know, I lost my virginity, which was like literally the next day after I got baptized. It was it was oh, just wow. everything. My life has always been a contradiction. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. But that's just like what happens, you know, with believers. Talk about <laughs> talk about Christian in progress. <laughs> Yeah, really? and so, um, but I knew that I had had a, a supernatural like transformation because had I not experienced that, which you don't have to experience that to wake up, but I felt conviction for the first time after I, yes. I entered baptism, I received the gift of the Holy Spirit, which says that if you, if you believe and you repent, you shall receive this gift and you, you'll get baptized in the spirit of God. And so this gift was handed to me. So actually a, encountering like, um, what what that looked like with a with a male i realized oh my goodness what i did was wrong and it grieved it grieved my heart because i was like i've waited so long for this like i've never shared this part of myself and god doesn't want me to share this part of myself with someone else so i literally Mm -hmm. cut the four-year relationship and just like said i want all of jesus and it changed a lot and this was this was at 15 so previous to this, you were in a relationship for four years with this with this boy. Yes, yes. And how how did you meet him through school? Yes. Um. So I it was during school that I met him, and he was kind of like the you know the sweetheart that you meet and that you're gonna you 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 hope you're gonna marry, and you just spend a was lot. Was he older of than you? He was older than me, like two years older than me. Um. So I was like in middle school, going into high school, and and. He still bothered me for like another two years. So it was like an on and off relationship, on and off relationship. And I was also like mm-hmm. in, be- in between that, like still talking to like the gang members that I was affiliated with that were also trying to hit on me. So just like a lot of confusion and like just not living. So here I am going to church, you know, and <laughs> and trying to figure out like this faith, you know, like what is what is. But I had, nobody ever said, hey, like. You're not supposed to date unequally. Like you're not supposed to be dating someone that doesn't have the faith that you profess. It's it's unhealthy. Yeah. Not saying that God can't do it. I've heard many testimonies mm-hmm. of, of him doing it, but you know, from just thirteen to fourteen, it was like I was trying everything I could to get in trouble to catch God's attention because here I was at twelve having a supernatural encounter. It was my first mm-hmm. time ever hearing the voice of God tangibly experiencing it and then he just became silent and everything consumed me the abuse continued in the house um i thought oh all my problems are just gonna go away you know you have these you you encounter love and you're like oh everything's just gonna get good but really it's not like this this christian walk in progress is is has everything to do with like God wants to love on us, but he also wants to be loved in return. And so it's it's yeah. it's a walk. It's a relationship yeah. that you walk out that takes time and intimacy and yeah. the scriptures. You know, what do the scriptures say about getting like, I can't worship God if I don't know who he is. And I just was like in this place of I won't even look at the Bible. 
I'll just go to church and and when I leave church, I'm going to get in trouble as much as I can. So I would go and do like graffiti on like properties and destroy property, mm. just doing stuff with the guys to like fill the void of my pain and my anger and like where yeah. is my dad? Where's my dad at? Yeah, cuz in in that moment what you were feeling, what you were going through, like how were how were you feeling? It, it, like as a I guess preteen at that point, right? That's like preteen or teen. Yeah. Like you were you were angry, you were probably like uh lonely. Like what what was going through your feelings of just like I need to go out and I need to be bad. Like what what kind of cry for help was that? It was it was really just it was it was loneliness, um, searching for acceptance, um, searching for like longing to be known, um, mm-hmm. trying to. So when you were doing, when you were doing those things, um, what was going through your mind? Like, if I do this graffiti, I'm gonna get this as a result. Yeah, were you thinking I, that heavily if I or no? Just get in trouble, maybe my maybe my parents will care or God will say, hey, I'm gonna discipline you because a church taught me that. You know, like you deserve to be punished for for Mm. sinning and for doing these things and i'm like well you know i've never really done bad things but so i'm just gonna give it a try you know you when you are when you do walk through some form of abuse you kind of hide yourself Uh, many victims will hide themselves and for me it was like i'm going to just go i'm going to either go all out or i'm just not going to not do it at all and so just crying out for attention and even if it meant getting hurt i wanted the attention even if it meant getting hurt and that's crazy a crazy mentality but that's what sin does to you you know you think i'm just gonna i'm just gonna do this um and see what the outcome is even if it hurts because when i wasn't when i was hurting extremely and nothing happened i was still like empty so let me try something different mm-hmm. and so for me it was just being like reckless um I wasn't drinking really or smoking or doing drugs or anything like that. My friends were and they were actively selling it. I think being raised in the church kind of grew some fear of God in me because I never got to that extremity, which is kind of crazy because you would think like I would like probably get drunk and get high Mm -hmm. and go out there. But really like God kept me in that season as well because I was a really young teenager. Um, He kept me and just like he showed me he got to show allowed me to see a piece of the world and what it was like. And he kind of gave me the option to choose, like, do you want to engage stronger and deeper in this? Like, you have the choice. You have the free will choice to do this. Or, like, you have the choice to come to me and, like, give your life to me. And so hitting 15, um, I was, I decided to kind of, like, go from being reckless to I'm just going to prove to everybody that I'm good enough. So I became very successful. Um, I went from like a 2.0 to like a 3.0, 3.5 student. Um, I started joining soccer, boxing, um, karate. I just had many phases in my life where I'm like, what was I thinking? But I became very successful and I was I joined a Manchester United soccer team and started to just say, you know what, I'm just going to try new things because it got boring like being with mm-hmm. with guys they were just getting high all the time and i wasn't really interested in that i was just kind of yeah. got bored and i was like i'm just gonna try something new and i ended up getting really sick um for like nine months in bed uh, my oxygen levels were 80 percent. i was told that i had lung cancer when i collapsed on a two-mile run and um i remember being in high school because i i went into high school pretty late because I, I failed first grade so this is why the age yeah. difference sh- shows so um i entered into high school late and um i got really really ill i found myself not being able to 
take three steps without like crying out for oxygen, like literally crying out for oxygen and thinking, how did I get a diagnosis when I've never smoked a day in my life? Like this is really odd. And um, really it just, I honestly think it was oppression and my body was just very sick. And I had never gotten therapy for the sexual assault that I had went through as a child. Um, I mm-hmm. had also experienced it with my family, watching it, witnessing it, and being told to close my mouth. So it was very suffocating in like lies and manipulation and control. What that looks like is basically my my step grandfather was uh, raping my aunt, and I was told to never say anything. And so it was very torturing. Wow. I was very bitter and angry because it had been done to me. He had tried doing it to me, and nobody believed us. So. Um, I just, yeah, all of these like all of these things that are happening to you physically is a resolve everything that's going on spiritually as well. It definitely like, I, was. I, I'm sh- yeah, like I'm sure you've heard like of how our like the things that we keep hidden in our body like eventually come out. Like for example, like anxiety. Like anxiety is a result of you like not speaking about your feelings and then you putting them away, and and it actually does something to us. Like the spiritual manifests into the physical. And so all of this abuse, this trauma that you're not speaking out about or not addressing, like that is affecting your your physical now with um, all of these diseases and stuff. So yeah. I ended up getting really, really sick. Um, my parents kind of had to sit with me and ask me like, because at this point, my parents had kind of slowed down in the abuse. They were like maturing in their faith as well. Um, okay. And my dad was actively doing missions. So there was like conviction occurring like god was moving in the middle of everything because during all those years i was still crying out from the moment i was 12 on even though i was doing reckless things or striving for success striving for approval um striving to to show that i was worthy because that's really what the point of my entire life was what that i was worthy um I was crying out to God in the midst of all of that, even with the anger and the bitterness and the unforgiveness and the confusion and just like the questioning of like, what is real church? What is real Christianity? If like my parents are hypocrites, like, you know, um, and I was still crying out. So God was like moving, even though I didn't have an, an idea and the way the story ends is it's pretty cool. So, um, I, st- I know it's still going, but um, I at 15, I ended up having to quit soccer. I was already like promised a scholarship and all these things. Um, I even had scholarships wow. to go to nursing school as well. Like I was just like going so high in ambition. I was like so ambition driven that I stopped going to church at that point. Um, my yeah. Sundays became, you know, soccer practice instead of going to church. So that's when I started getting sick and um, wow. my parents were like, Hey, are you okay? Like you can tell us that you've been smoking. You can tell us that you've been, you know, getting high or that you've been dr- doing whatever it is, because the way your lungs look on the, the scan that they did, like, they're like, it, it doesn't look normal. Like there's, there's something you're not being honest with us about. And I'm like, you guys, I'm not in denial. Like I've never smoked in my life or ever even tried i don't know what's going on like i'm being and so the doctors would be like you should consider taking her to a psychiatrist i think that she doesn't she she's not really aware of that she's dying i was like on adver medication which is for copd it's a chronic uh, mm-hmm. uh pulmonary disease basically and you basically die your life becomes really short and you don't really have much to live for you're going to be on oxygen for the rest of your life pretty much um 
So after like seven to nine months of just like, you know, not being able to breathe and just being in that place of like, I could literally wake up, not wake up tomorrow. I lived on like the small amount of oxygen that I could breathe from. And I remember crying out to God and making a deal with Jesus and just being like, okay, I know I've waited this long. Like it's been almost a year, but I'm tired. Like I'm only 15. I don't, I think at this point, like I I could catch a break, you know, me and him have a very humorous relationship sometimes. And I just always felt comfortable from that moment experience with Jesus at the age of 12. I knew that I could run to him any moment. I was just being rebellious. You know, I was being stubborn, prideful. I mean, that's just what bitterness does to you. Um, Of course. And so I just cried out to Jesus and I said, like, I, I kind of want to like a break, you know, like if you heal me, like I'll serve you. I'll leave everything. I'll leave sports, whatever you want me to do, I'll leave it and just heal me in two weeks. I give you two weeks, God. And sure enough, two weeks came and like, I went back to um, get cameras down my nostrils into my lungs and doctors were like completely shocked. They were like, there's no way that your body's you're normal like I still had cough and phlegm and things happening I was still on medications for another couple of months but my my lungs were completely cleared out I remember taking my first run for the first time in nine months I think it was being in bed for that long I remember running the neighborhood like there was no tomorrow because running was my thing I was on track I was in karate I was in soccer it was just something that liberated me from from the pain as well, you know? And sometimes yeah, successful right. things and good things could, cannot be God things. But for me, that was my co- my way of coping. And I always tell people, if you have a hobby that's, that takes you away from your pain, do it. You don't, you don't have to run to drugs. You don't have to run to, you know, pornography or relationships. And for me, I just kind of knew that that's what I wanted for me because it was working. It was helping me. But he healed me. And I remember going back to church and having like massive encounters with God, um, leaving the relationship that I was in later on in in those years and saying like, I want nothing. I got baptized. I was like, I want nothing. And for the next four years, I devoted myself to getting to know Jesus in the new Testament. Like, who is this man? Who is he? You know? Mm -hmm. So. So you like at that age when you got sick and then you really devoted your life to God, you're like, God, heal me. You were on the brink of 16. Yeah, I was um I was already 16 as the relationships um ended around 17. So there was like he would come to church with me. We would go to youth group together. We would go to um gatherings together, but he would only do it for the sake of the relationship. He wasn't really doing it cuz he wanted to be saved, you know, or he really wanted a relationship okay. with God. Um and so when I when I ended up losing the V card, I was like I experienced conviction for the first time and he still bothered mm. me for another year, um, which mm-hmm. in that time frame, I was really just getting to know the Lord for myself and who he said I was yeah. as, a, as a daughter. So I kind of just like threw relationships aside. I wanted nothing to do with relationships. I started joining, you know, leadership, which was another challenge for me because my church was taught taught us that women couldn't preach. Um, yeah, you know, um, I couldn't evangelize, like I wasn't allowed to, so I would secretly do it in high school. I remember like being 16 and, and like preaching the gospel during lunch. And then, um, 
I would get home and my parents would be like, so who did you talk to today? And, and I would be like, nobody, nobody. I wouldn't talk to anybody. Like, you know, like, but um, it was very, it was really hard. So, you know, there's, there was just still so much confusion in the identity because, you know, the Bible tells you who you are. Jesus defines who you are. And when he tells you to go and preach the gospel to all nations and to baptize, there's no, you have to be a man to do this. So for a long time, yeah. I would say that religion had a big role in distorting my identity and who I was. And so sometimes it's not necessarily the world. It could be the very people in your church that confuse you. And so getting to know Jesus, I started really fighting against the Pharisee um, spirit that said, like, you can't do this. I'm like, but this is freeing. Like, this is helping me abstain from going back to my old life, you know, and not wanting unhealthy relationships, um, toxic friendships, um, the ones that could result in prison can result in, you know, I mean, the relationship that I walked out of, he was very abusive, you know, the reasons why I ended it was because one, I had lost my virginity, but two, because he like threw keys at my face and split my nose. And I was like, this is not normal. Like, I, I've been crying yeah. to God for him to deliver my parents of this. Why would I settle for this? You know? Yeah. Wow. And that's crazy. I mean, having having to go in that in church, like, I'm sure that like, just from my experience and what I've gone through, like, there are so many things that really pushed me away from God. And one of the things that pushed me away from God was that when I would go to the church, I felt like a lot of those people, they didn't understand me. They didn't understand what God was trying to do in my life. Um, it was very black and white. There was no in the middle experiences. There, like one of the things that I really love and what I've learned about my season in Christianity has been more specifically like the spirit living, where it is like you are obviously like the spirit is defined by the words of God, but spirit living is that day to day aspect of understand like hearing the hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. And relying on what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. Like the Bible we have here as a guideline and the Holy Spirit's always going to speak out of the Bible, right? But there are certain things that the Bible doesn't mention. My day-to-day, like every single day, like if I if I see someone um, and I feel like I need to tell them the event, um, like the gospel, and they're a lesbian, like the Bible doesn't talk about that. How do I talk about that? Like, the one who's going to teach me how to talk about that is going to be the Holy Spirit inside of me, how to approach that situation. So you in church, you're coming out of an abusive household. Um, you have all this trauma. You've been sick. Did you feel like people at church, they didn't really get you? They didn't understand your vision, nobody, your mission? Nobody knew. Nobody even reached out and said, hey, like you haven't came to church. What's going on? Like, are you okay? Can we come and pray, lay hands on you? Like, you know, it, it yeah. was, it was really dry and in that see in that time you know being born in the 90s i don't know if you know but that was a, a time where you know even in the 80s 70s where, where p- families basically said we don't talk about our problems we don't we, oh, yeah. we we deal with them at home and no one the church doesn't have to know you know um i didn't even know what grace was until i started a christian club in high school i had no idea what great what the definition of grace was until I met a Christian friend in high school that said, hey, do you know about Jesus culture? And that's when I really started knowing about the spirit of God and what that looks like and what that what that actually means, which is what you just you just defined and shared. So, yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's it's interesting that you, you mentioned that. 
<laughs> so okay, so then now you are like in church, you're experiencing these different things. Did you did you leave the church? Did you since they didn't understand you just kind of go back into the world? Like what what happened at that point? Like after the four years that you dedicated yourself? I actually stayed um, because my parents forced me, you know, um, my parents forced me to go to church. That's a, something cultural, you know, in Hispanic community. It's the same way even like with marriage, you know, like you don't leave the house until you're married kind of thing. Um, so you don't you don't get to choose where you go to church. You don't get to choose, you know, who you hang out with. We get to choose what you do. You're under our authority, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> and, you know, and, and that I mean, religious spirit teaches you that you have to obey your parents, you know, not obey the Holy Spirit, which I mean, we are commanded to obey our parents and to honor them, you know. Um, but when the yeah. Bible tell us when the Bible tells us to love God above our parents, what he's saying is, are you willing to go above your culture and your traditions and how you were raised by, you know, the culture and tradition? And yeah, that's like that verse um, in Matthew, which is he's talking about um, when his mother approaches him and he's teaching and they're like, Jesus, your mother's outside. And he he goes around. And he's like, who but who are who's my family? Like that. The, the ones who do the will of God, those are really my family. So even though in that in that atmosphere, well, in, in that social economic like living style which was always honor your your mother and your father that was like the thing like they don't live like how we live today like if you dishonored your mother and your father like you were a bad bad person and jesus stands up there and he he says no like you know what's important doing the will of god so i can still honor my mother and my father while still keep being true to the will of god what does god want me to do so yeah so i started praying and asking god for answers um uh, just I mean in that in that in that whole season I was really determined to get to the bottom the root of the issue of my heart which was unforgiveness you know the unforgiveness is what caused was causing all the issues so I started really entering that place and you know scripture says that the woman that was forgiven much was able to love much and when I started um, making yes. the decision to forgive my father uh, forgive my mother um, because of the forgiveness that God extended to me after losing something very pure and something that was special to me, right? Um, mm -hmm. I un what were the steps? Like, what, what was the steps of having to go through that forgiveness? Yeah, so... Like, was that easy? It was like not easy. I mean, it was like a... Pro it was a... It was an everyday decision because there's things that your parents or somebody that you've you you have uh, issues with will say something and it'll just bring everything back that they ever done to you, you know. And for me, mm -hmm. it was um, actually having alone time with the father and him and him and like studying the gospel, just like what how he took my sins upon the cross. I remember being with the Lord and him telling me like and through scriptures, like I also died for those that curse you and those that who you know who hurt you you're and i'm like man like that sounds a lot like my dad you know like so that <laughs> yeah. means that like the things that i'm hurt hurting about like you also died for like that's just not fair you know but he's like but i'm giving you revelation of this and so you have a decision to to forgive um so that you can love again because i was desperate to be loved and to love i was like i can't wait to actually be able to 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 do what like everybody talks about and so i started praying and god introduced me to my english friend my, my english class friend who showed me so much about love her name was sophia 
and she just just began to show me like what does it mean to live by the spirit and she started inviting me to her youth group so i started sneaking out to go to a youth group <laughs> you know that on a i would tell my my parents oh, i'm going to go skateboarding or i'm just going to you know do this and that it's so bad like I was lying for something good, but I was lying for something good. <laughs> so I started going. Hey, that's a good thing because if you go to the Bible, if you go to the Bible, there's a part where the, um, I forget, I think it's in Exodus where they want to kill the babies and the women, they lie to, oh, to yes. the Pharaoh. Yes. And then they're like, well, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like we've, we've killed all the babies or something like that, but they lie. They didn't. They had saved the babies. And then God just like, that was a good, good thing. And I've never seen that in the Bible. I'm like, crazy, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's like that, what we were talking about earlier with um, the whole, like, it's not black and white. Like God is not black and white. It's not just like, box. oh, lying is bad. Even though, yes, lying is bad. Like they're like spirit living is all about how to like what would god do in this situation like how am i going to figure out this thing in this situation what is so he anyways, telling what is he telling me to do right absolutely and i was exactly. just i was just so hungry in that season like once i made a decision to forgive like the blindfolds were like broken off my eyes and my heart and i started realizing oh my goodness my dad's broken my mother's broken like to know like my father used to be beat in the head just to wake up in the morning to go work at four or five years old you know my mother was abused by her father too it was just like they're broken and um I expect them to know how to be parents when they didn't have parents you know and so just and then studying the heart of Jesus and just how he like when I started opening the New Testament which at that time I didn't have teachers or anything like that I would just I knew that I was willing and that I was hungry and that I was desperate I was desperate for answers I was desperate for a father and I was desperate to know who God was calling me to be. So when I met my friend Sophia and she started inviting me to youth group, um, like seeing younger people that were just on, as on fire and hungry made me more hungry. And I was like, I'm missing something. Like, And so I started opening the scriptures and like studying who Jesus was and seeing his responses to his enemies and his response even to the sinner. I was kind of like, wow, I've been living this. My family and I, like, we've been living this completely, like, backwards. Like, no wonder, like, the Christians I see at church are so, like, bitter. Like, they're not, they're not enjoying <laughs> life. Like, like, this is crazy. So I'm like, this is what I've been missing out my whole life. Like, and it's because yeah. she was always joyful and, and they would worship for hours and just spend hours in the presence. And I would be like, I would just be like, this is not what we do in church, like, you know? And so <laughs> I I just became curious, you know? And um, she and I had made a radical decision to start a Christian cl club called First Priority. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, um, but it just changed e like what evangelism meant because as I started studying the character of Jesus, I started applying it and seeing fruit and realizing like, oh my goodness, like this is actually like fulfilling it's fulfilling to give a good news to someone who was in my place and i met hundreds mm -hmm. of teenagers going through the same thing i was going in high school and the way that jesus even radically healed me from lung cancer i began to just pray for people in their wheelchairs i started prayer at the pole and i was just determined to do whatever i could to make jesus known because of how he was revealing himself to me and i didn't have it together there was things that i was working through like the abuse and the trauma that i had experienced i was still coping with that um trying to figure out like could i ever even like like someone again you know or date someone again but it just god had me so focused on 
on on getting to know him that I began to uh, learn the gifts that he was giving to me and it just unfolded before me and I found myself like radically living for Jesus my entire high school years and those were probably the best years of my life because I started youth group and I started leading worship and there was just so much so much fulfillment in that area and at 16 no I was 17 yeah 17 uh getting close to graduating at 18 I remember sitting with my dad um and offering him forgiveness and and telling him I was sorry um, if I ever held um, unforgiveness towards him. And I remember sitting at the table with him and um, saying, you know, you know, saying like, um, because I've been forgiven much of my sins, I want to love much. And I, and I, I have love for you because I've decided to forgive you of this, this, and this, and this reason. And I remember my dad just putting his head down on the table and just crying for the next hour or two. It was like, forgiveness had set him free that's what he needed and isn't that what forgiveness does to us like it sets us free of shame it sets us free of condemnation when yeah. we know that we've been extended grace um after all we've done mm. and yet the father's still like i love you like i i want to give my forgiveness to you i want to give you this gift of of freedom if you would just take it you know and and for my dad that was the last time he ever put a hand on my family that was the last time he ever put a hand on me it was the last time I, I actually saw wow. him um, curse again or say anything. And it began a journey of reconciliation. I mean, my father was in church doing missions for 25 years. He's a pastor today with my parent, with my mom. But he was doing church things and abusing us at home. And we didn't understand. We thought this was normal. So I always thought Christians were evil. Yeah. I'm like, Christians are evil. <laughs> But um, it it just was beautiful reconciliation, and um, my father is not is like my best friend now. It's like my best friend. That's amazing. Just that whole image of just what happens when we, like, I think it, there's a verse. Um, uh, it's my my favorite verse, which is John one three, where it says, um, the the light. Uh, I think the light has come through. I should probably memorize my favorite yeah, verse, but okay. I don't. <laughs> It's like the the guideline is um, the light came through and the darkness did not understand it or did not comprehend it. And that's what tends to happen is that when you gave out that forgiveness, that was a love that was given to you by the father. And then you gave it back out to your dad and the darkness didn't know what to do. It didn't know how to comprehend this. So what does it do? It flees. Like I've, I've always thought of this um I guess analogy or whatever, Um, when you're in a dark room and you take a candle light and you light it up, like it comes, like you can see the corners of the room with just this small little candle. You know, like what happens to us when we, my TV turned off, what happens to us when we, when we light up, like that light is love. So when we light this room up with love, when we start, when we light up situations like you and your dad with love, like the darkness flees and that's why he cries. He's able to experience something that only the Father can give through you. Like we are vessels for God to work. So it wasn't it wasn't your unforgiveness, your bitterness, your your yelling, your making your father see all the things that he had done wrong that was going to change that situation. But what was going to change that situation was going to be that love, that forgiveness for something he did not deserve and that's so Beautiful. You almost had me like tearing up. <laughs> so you said, you said we're almost, we're almost at the end. And I really want to get into this part too. You said 
that you had a fiance who you had ultimately left. Like, when did that come around in your life? Um, yeah. Uh, so going into college, I was actually I, was, I actually got raped in college, by the way, and it just wow, it ruined my view of the love of not the love of God, but just love in in general. Um, and for the next couple of college years, I just didn't. I didn't date. I just didn't do anything. I just wanted to be with the Lord. But because I had a foundation with Jesus now and I had a strengthening with Jesus now, I was um, able to move on so quickly. Like I was like, I forgive that person and I'm moving on. You know, obviously the ju- the, the justice took care of that and everything. Um, but it was just um, so I ended up it was those years were crucial for me. So what I ended up doing was um, I was already in ministry, uh, ministry missions on college campus, discipling people, just walking girls through forgiveness with their fathers, something that I still do today. And um, meeting the fiance came in, uh, I think I was 22, I think I was 22 years old. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm 26 now. So um, that happened wow. <laughs> at, at a Christian event, met him. Um, we had, we had, we have the same last name, which was really weird. Um, everybody thought we were always, we were already married cause we had the same last name. They're like, you guys are really young. We're like, no, we're not married. We just have the same last, we're not cousins. We're not cousins. Um, but yeah, I met him through a Christian event and it was great. It was wonderful at first. Um, uh, he was a, a missionary, um, Christian rapper, um, and we fell in love super quickly. We had a great friendship um that was a huge um turnaround for me in in my christian walk because it almost seems like everything that i had not done when i was in the world i was now doing in the relationship um and it was because i just never did in it did did things that you know like being sexually involved and and i found myself like forcing myself to do these things to please him as a root result of the trauma abuse that I experienced as a child. So um, there's things in your life that you could be walking so faithfully in the Lord. You can be, you can be striving towards God, loving God, serving God that, and, but if there's still some rooted issues in your heart that you haven't had inner healing with like sexual abuse, right? Molestation, those things will creep on you when the opportunity comes for you to be involved with someone else. And those things crept into, into our relationship. He had been, um, he had been introduced to porn when he was really young and I won't tell his testimony, but it affected his view of woman as well. And, um, and it just caused us to clash with each other all the time when it came to sexuality. And so it became very toxic. Um, he ended up cheating on me at, on a missions trip with another girl. Um, and it just destroyed me um, because I had never experienced betrayal. Um, and here was, here I was, you know, engaged and finally engaged with this person I was going to spend the rest of my life with. Um, and wow. he, he just didn't have self-control because he had his, you know, pornography, uh, pornography issues that I didn't know about. Um, so it's really, it's really important that when you are in a Christian relationship that you ask your partner, you know, what are your current struggles? Um, is there something that is still creeping up in your life that I need to know about? You know, do you even feel like you're ready to be in this relationship because there's mutual feelings, you know? Um, are, is there something that works? Yeah, the last thing that it should be. Yeah, the last thing that it should be about is the um the attraction component. Exactly. And sometimes people get so confused. It's like 
It's like, oh, that person's Christian. I'm Christian. Like exactly. God wants us to be together, you know? And it's like, I'm attracted. Like, what else do we need here? Yeah, exactly. But like, if you don't take care of those small little root issues that are going on in that relationship, like, it's not that you're going to fall out of grace, like with God, like, just because you had sex with, with um, your boyfriend at the time, or he's watching pornography, like, God is going to use all those things. He, he can even use you while you're doing those things. Like, it's it, it that's our human nature. We're sinners. You know, he's going to use you throughout whatever, but he's allowing those things to come into your life so that it can you can ultimately get over those things, like, ultimately um, shape your character more. So, yes. so I understand, like, going into that relationship. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it definitely did shape um, my view even on sexuality and uh, the church being silent about Christians struggling, you know, with 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 sex and um, abstinence. And um, I remember just always being about abstinence, always preaching about it. You know, I never had an issue with pornography or masturbation or um, I wasn't sleeping around when I was not serving the lord you know i was always trying to run from it because i was tech honestly scared because of what was done to me so my story is really different at, at times you know i've i i work with victims of sexual assault now and there a lot of the reactions are i'm more promiscuous because of what was done to me i am watching more pornography i am masturbating more because of what was done to me but for me it was like i was terrified i was like I can't, I can't handle somebody putting their hands on me. And so everybody has different reactions. And so even just being intimate with him, with my, my, um, fiance at the time, I felt so much guilt and I was doing it out of pleasing him more than really enjoying it. I was, cause I was paranoid. I was like, oh my God, this is scary. Like I've been forced to do this, not I've never done this by decision. And so I would put a lot of my, I would put a lot of pressure on him and I would be like, stop forcing me to do this when he really wasn't, you know, he's just trying to love on me because the attraction was there. The desires were there. And so when he cheated, it was painful because that was the first time I had ever really looked at myself marrying someone, having babies with someone. And um, it was just an ongoing struggle. We would break up. He would you know, do things with other females in the church that I was discipling after I had broken off the relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's his past. That's not who I see him as now. I know wherever he's at now, I'm happy for him. Um, but it was just so toxic. And I was like, is this what Christians do? Like, is this what a godly man really are all godly men like this, you know, and they're not, they're not all Mm -hmm. like this, you know, but my mind had just been so confused and, I finally made a decision to really uh, recommit my vows to the Lord. And I made a vow to basically be single for for three years. Um, And I said, I'm going to uh, make a decision to just be learn to be your bride. Lord, I, I don't want to. I don't want to enter into another relationship without first understanding what my relationship should be with like with you. And in that place of like really learning to be the bride of Christ, like I realized that my wounds of betrayal and sexuality had a lot to do with like what had been done to me really. Um, and what I had experienced um, with being, you know, molested and raped. It, it was, it was just a lot of pain was rooting from that place and I needed to deal with those things. Um, and so I was like, wow, I'm so thankful that I didn't get married, you know, because I would be bringing this into the marriage and it's not, it's not healthy, you know? Um, 
And so those yeah. three a lot of people think that when when you get into um, when you get into a marriage that a lot of your problems diminish. But I w- there's like this awesome preaching by Larissa Miller um, from Upper Room, and she talked like she was like, if you think that marriage is gonna solve your problems, like marriage is gonna like like bring up those problems even more because now you have your problems and then you also have to take care of somebody else's problems so it's really important that a lot of people think that i'm (laughs) anti-marriage like i get a lot of messages like that and it's like i'm not i'm not anti-marriage what i am is like i'm pro learning more about yourself and your relationship with the lord first before you get into anything marriage wise and i think we sometimes we offer the solution of marriage a little bit too quick in the church to say this is the thing that's going to make you complete when really the only thing that's going to make you complete and the only thing that's going to solve your problems is your relationship with you and jesus so i'm sure you're aware of that and that's why you ultimately cut it off right yes and um making that decision was really hard um there was a lot of soul ties, you know, and I had to learn to to really get to a place. I did a 12-week inner healing. So if people are in relationships that are toxic and have walked away from relationships, I'm telling you, do inner healing. It is going to be so good to your soul. Um, I'm, any church really has, like, shares it or provides it if you don't look for one because it played a huge role in my healing. I mean, from breaking soul ties to breaking um, negative vows, like I'll never be like my mom or I'll never be like my dad. Um, just going back to childhood traumas, journaling, just really teaching you how to go back to being one with God. What does it look like to open your Bible and to to scavenger hunt the truth over the lies that you've been believing your whole life about who you are, what your worth is, you know, who does God call you? Who does he say you are? Um, and what is he calling you to do even for others that have experienced what you've, you've experienced? And for me, I found myself really like the next five years of my singleness, just teaching young girls um, what it means to wait on the Lord and to hear the Lord, um, which has a lot of, to do with the abstinence. And but most importantly, like the abstinence of the heart, you know that like mm-hmm. unveiling the heart of deeper issues that you haven't dealt with because it's just so easy to pull it under the rug and think like oh that's just my past it's covered by the blood of course it is but healing takes time and perspective yeah. and one oneness with Jesus most importantly cuz God can do anything yeah. in one day like he can do it in 5 years really but for me, it played a huge role. Inner healing is relationship with Jesus, you know, walking alongside yeah. Jesus. And, and also just like everything, like everything that you're saying is 100% correct. Like the when you have established a relationship with God, the first thing that he's going to do is he wants to form your character. So he wants to take care of all of those things that are going on inside of you. Right. So you you start your relationship with the Lord. This is why this podcast is called Christian Progress. Like you start your relationship with the Lord. He starts to target all of the areas that you don't want to target. Like you don't want to talk about. You don't want to point the finger to like all of these insecurities, these vulnerabilities or even things that you think have passed away. And that's why all of these experiences. And when we speak about our testimonies, 
it's a beautiful thing because we actually see the hand of God over our lives, over when we speak about our testimonies, like everything that you just described from all of the different boyfriends that you had, like God's hand was in all of those relationships, trying to teach you something about like the inner healing that you needed for your life. Like what is this area that you haven't forgiven yet? Or, you know, what is this that you're having taken care of here? And it's, it's so important. Like, everything that you're saying so so then you move on you you break off from the fiance you have these five years of singleness and then now you're doing ministry to women who have experienced um sexual assault you know all these different things and and that's kind of like where you are right now yes um that's that's really it's incredible just the journey um that god's taken me on this job was offered to me in advocacy by someone that had been watching me on college campus, witnessing to other people, other uh, other non-believers. And um, the way it came to be was just a life-changing uh, moment for me because it, it just kind of like turned around everything that I had gone through and it made sense. It finally made sense. Not that the job defines the calling, it's just a part of the season that I'm in. And to not be able to share Jesus and what how Jesus healed me and delivered me from rejection and um, oppression and just unworthiness, right? The the shame, yeah. the guilt, the condemnation that I was experiencing. How can now I'm offering that to victims of abuse of all ages? You know, human trafficking victims, um, victims who um, didn't ask for this but want to be free from this. And so, being able to to be the light, you know. Um, for them and to help guide them is such an honor because now I understand that my pain does serve purpose, you know, and that every person that has gone through something, your your pain does have purpose and you can choose to let your pain punish you or you can choose to let your pain prepare you um, so that you can uh, mm. get, you know, have purpose in that area and say, you know, I'm not, I'm not a victim. I am a, I'm victorious because of what Christ did for me and what he's doing for me now. And so I'm so grateful for the cross and for the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, and that's so beautiful. Like your life just goes 360 where God uses everything that you've gone through in your life to be able to prepare other people so that they don't have to go through those things. And that's what we do. That's that's our calling. Like now you get to do that for people who have gone through what you're going through. And I get to do that for people who are go going through what I'm going through, you know, in my life. And that's the call of all of us. Like that is the that's the mission that Jesus said, you know, he said, go out into the, into the nations and make learners, make disciples, learners of what learners of the experiences that you've gone through with God through this, through, through the word of God, obviously. So I could talk to you forever. You're, you're such an interesting person, <laughs> but the, the podcast needs to end because I don't want yes. it to be too long. <laughs> So uh, I will link down um, Ruth's information um, in the description um, below. So if you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this, there should be some type of description box. I'm going to link down her information. So if you want to reach out to her and you want to, you know, just share some things or whatever, you want to find out more about her, that'll all be on there. So thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Is there any last words that you want to say, Ruth, especially to people who identify with your story? Yes. Um God's grace is greater than your rebellion. God's grace is greater than your rebellion. And you're just a prayer of repentance away from starting new. You know, he can make all things new for you right now. If you would just go to Jesus, um, he's closer than your skin. He loves you and he has a plan and a purpose for your pain. And so just say yes to Jesus. If you, if you can, that's it. Yeah. 
<laughs> Amen. Remember, if Ruth, Ruth, Ruth can go through all of these things and you're out there and you're identifying yourself with her story and everything that she's been through, like that can be your life as well. Like you can find total inner healing. You can find total peace. You can find hope in Jesus Christ. So thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Um, we will be on next week again, and I'll probably be talking about some other subject, some other topic. But thank you guys. Thank you so much, Ruth, for joining me and coming on. And um, and yeah, so thank I hope to me. see you guys again for sure. Um, thank you guys once again for listening, and I will see you next time. Peace out. Bye.